0: Welcome to Whiskey and Wonder. And we are live. Hello, my friends. Episode twenty-seven. We forgot to mention last week that would that means that we've done exactly six months. Well, one more than six months worth of episodes. So happy six-month anniversary. Yeah. Doing this, I guess.
1: Happy six-month anniversary. Very oh. exciting. So yeah, we're going to
0: be taking another round of applause I know. for that. And. It is late. I made barbecue today, and so yummy. I had a screw up in the middle, and it took a lot longer than I expected. So we almost set
1: fire to his house. Yeah, let's not talk about it.
0: Yeah. Um, So (laughs) this is Whiskey and Wonder. I'm Tyler. I'm Megan. That is Megan over there. Um, We're gonna burn through the social media blurbs and the announcements and whatnot. This. Uh, on the beginning of this episode and get right into it. Um, you can find us on Instagram at Whiskey Podcast, YouTube, Whiskey and Wonder. Uh, whiskeyandwonder.com is live. We're going to actually add... Well, we'll talk about the page we're going to add later. Um, Patreon, PayPal for donations. We're on Facebook. You can contact us at... Uh, contact at com. All this stuff is going to be in the show notes, and if you're on YouTube, it is right here. And... <laughs> below megan <laughs> um announcements the same old same old not much has changed this week stickers glasses you can get uh stickers you can get on the website glasses you need to email us uh i said the price is enough i think you guys have it
1: if you have uh, questions if, about prices go to our website yep
0: whiskinwonder.com uh, they start at $8 and you can get 4 for 25 so 8 for 1 4 for 25 and then there's tiers in between um like I said Patreon and PayPal for donations and the Amazon affiliate link we're still working on getting that back Amazon <laughs> Amazon's just the yep. ball's in their court at this point so we'll yep. we'll see what happens I guess. Um and as always we want to thank you guys for uh the donations and the support and speaking of donations opening the bottle i really gotta label these damn buttons
1: you really do um but this is a scotch that we have been looking forward to trying for a hot minute here um this scotch was donated to us by our friend angie um friend yes thank you friend angie you are the coolest bestest friend ever Um, so she decided to take the challenge of us saying we did not like scotches and send us a scotch that she thinks uh, we would enjoy. She sent us the Glenn Livet single malt scotch whiskey that had been aged for 15 years.
0: And I want to show this. The
1: coolest part of all. She got that bitch engraved.
0: It says, especially for whiskey and wonder. So we are stoked. We Uh, we've had this sitting here on the desk for solid month now, at least. But Um, we never
1: opened it because it was in this box.
0: Yeah. It was in this awesome box and we never opened it. Had no idea it was engraved until we just pulled it out. Yeah. Um, That, that blew our mind away.
1: Yeah. So that, that is cool. Um, If you're sending us whiskey, if you're donating to us, if you get it engraved, I will cry. So thank you so much.
0: I I won't cry, but thank you all so much. That, this is amazing. <laughs> yes, thank you all so much. Yes,
1: thank you, friend Angie. Um, I love you. So let's talk about Glen Levitt. As people go, George Smith was no ordinary man. After he licensed his whiskey in 1824, he battled against all odds and established his smooth, fruity Glen Levitt as the definitive taste of Spyside, Spayside, sorry, Scotland. What George started continues to inspire our makers to create whiskies that are enjoyed by all far and wide. Allow your eyes to be drawn to this deep gold hue, then lose yourself in aromas of citrus and cinnamon spice, creamy and rich, a portion of the whiskey is finished in limousine oak delivering lingering oats of toasted almond. So, super, super swanky scotch. I'm quite excited for this.
0: And I actually have uh, a friend that is very into scotch and highly recommends uh, Glenn Livet. And just for me... Uh, Taking a whiff while Megan was talking. I'm getting fruit. Um, I can't put my, you know, I'm going to say apple or pear, something, something in that, maybe a little citrusy is what overwhelmingly I'm getting.
1: I'm definitely, definitely getting fruit. Um, It smells really good. I'm trying to pinpoint the fruit. I think you're on the right track with apple. Um, Maybe like a Something on the red apple spectrum more so than a green apple. Um,
0: I'm definitely getting some peaty tones, earthy, earthy peaty as well. Little, the closer I earthy. get to it,
1: a little earthy. I'm not getting the peat yet. I don't think this is a scotch that is finished with peat. So,
0: okay, Well, it's definitely an earthy. I assume since it was scotch, it was peat is what I was smelling, but
1: I'm uh, it smells really good. Um, mm. I'm trying to pick out something other than fruit. I am getting some sweetness. Um, maybe something like a. It kind of smells like a creamy caramel. Um, like the type of caramels your grandma used to carry in her purse and give you. Butterscotch. No, they oh. were soft and they.
0: Oh, I know what you're talking about. My grandma carried butterscotch.
1: Oh, my grandma carried buddy but buddy. <laughs> God, it's already happening. Uh, That's
0: impressive because. You know, Buddy. Buddy's a big dog. <laughs> <laughs> we we know a dog named Buddy.
1: We do. Uh shout out to friend Darren and friend June.
0: And Buddy, the dog. And Buddy. Yeah. And friend Teresa too.
1: And friend Teresa, yes. Everyone in that household is amazing. Yes.
0: We love you so much.
1: Um it smells really good. Uh what are we supposed to be smelling?
0: Um, well I, I before you oh, get into oh, that, oh. I definitely agree there is something I don't know if it, it's very faint, um, some kind of faint sweetness, but I can't put my finger on it. It's it's so faint.
1: It's I don't know. It's it's very creamy. I feel like it. It smells like it's gonna be smooth AF.
0: It does. You said smooth AF. Just a quick aside. I learned what uh, dead ass meant this week.
1: You didn't. Okay, hold on.
0: Nope, I didn't know.
1: Okay, but okay, pause. Whoop. What do you what do you think it means?
0: Dead ass? Dead as hell? <laughs> like like boom, he's dead ass. <laughs> I don't know.
1: Okay. Apparently um,
0: it means serious.
1: It's <laughs> exactly what it means.
0: Young people. Stupid language.
1: Yeah. You have a sparkle on your cheek. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. This one? Yep. It keeps like, I don't know how it got there, but it keeps distracting me because you like turn your head when you go back to the mic and it hits just right. And it's a pretty little get? sparkle. I think so. All right. Well, I don't know. Where, where'd you get a, Where'd you get a sparkle, Tyler? Strip club. Figured.
0: No, I haven't been to strip club in years. Um, I don't know. I've been smoking, smoking meat all day. So I've literally, my head's been pounding all day. I've been sitting in my recliner when I'm not in front of the smoker. All right. Well, So. If there's right. one
1: piece of glitter, there's more.
0: Yeah, you, you're you not lying. Um, all right, so what are we supposed to be smelling here?
1: So according to the Glenlivet box, the nose is supposed to be rich and buttery with sweet fruit aromas, which doesn't tell us the specific fruit or anything, um, but...
0: Maybe that creamy smell you were getting is butter. Butter's oh, pretty creamy. Oh, buddy,
1: buddy. Jesus Christ.
0: Buddy, that's a second shout-out.
1: <laughs> huh? Butter. Butter is me.
0: Yeah, it's like super thick cream in a way.
1: I mean, technically, if you want to get technical with it, yeah.
0: I, I don't know how butter is made, but I was just thinking about looking up a YouTube video on that yesterday.
1: You churn it in like a wooden thing.
0: Yeah, but I don't know what you're churning milk is it is it if you know how butter is made please write us in let us know because otherwise i'm gonna be reduced to looking up a youtube video on how butter is made because that's (laughs) what i like to do with my life
1: uh all right i'm about to
0: jump in and taste this
1: okay i'm going to fill the air um with how as soon as we opened the um, bottle that, and we noticed the engraving, because it took me a minute to notice it, I actually went through and took our photo of the bottle and everything without noticing it was engraved. I uh, sat down here to uh, start recording, and I turned the bottle and I saw it had an engraving on it. And I was like, oh, that's cool. It's engraved. I wonder what it says. And proceeded to freak the hell out because it said, especially for whiskey and wonder. So I am so excited. Um uh, me and Tyler will go to blows over who gets this bottle because
0: I already caught dibs.
1: He caught well I don't care. It's mine. <laughs> He's holding the bottle now as if <laughs> If you print. can't
0: see it on YouTube, I just it, it's it's going to live right here by my mouse.
1: Mm, negative ghost rider, <laughs> I know where you live.
0: I I would hope so. You're in my house. <laughs> Uh, Um, all right. So my first impressions is immediately on the tongue. I'm getting the, uh, I, I, I want to say there's a hint of vanilla and definitely cream, uh, on the forefront on the tongue, whatever that subtle creaminess was. Um, the mid is fruit. The finish is slightly earthy. Um, for me, and it's kind of long, it's still lasting. and I did take two sips, no peat. this is the best scotch I've ever had because it doesn't taste like an ashtray. <laughs> sorry
1: <laughs> that okay, I mean that's fair. um,
0: I'm gonna throw it out there uh, already,
1: yep, okay, uh, well, one hundred percent agreed best scotch I've ever tasted so far um I'm getting there is an earthy after. Like, finish to it. Um, but I think the longer finish for me is it's turning more nutty. It's kind of turn, turning like almondy. Um, there's a lot of cinnamon uh, in the taste. So I'm getting um, cinnamon and apple, um, like the buttercream first goes down. The middle is fruity, cinnamony, um, ends kind of earthy. Um, and kind of almondy, kind of nutty.
0: I could see the almondy, the nutty, but I'm not getting cinnamon. I get spice, but not cinnamon.
1: Oh, I get cinnamon specifically.
0: I don't get cinnamon at all.
1: Like it doesn't taste like big red. It's not that type of cinnamon. Yeah, but it's no,
0: I, I'm i not getting like big red cinnamon or regular yeah, regular cinnamon. I'm oh, not wow. at, I'm I'm pretty much only getting fruit or uh, the cream at the front, fruit, spice, and then the spice kind of If I had to say it this way, I would say the front is the creaminess, the middle is the the fruit, and then the spice transitions from the fruit into the earthy nutty finish. Okay. That's that's what I'm getting and I'm not
1: I agree with everything you said other than I feel like the cinnamon is on top of it all. It's like a dusting of cinnamon.
0: I'm not I I am get not it? getting that at all.
1: No. Well, interesting. Um we are supposed to be tasting round sweet, incredibly smooth.
0: It is Fru- smooth.
1: Yes it is. Fruity and nutty flavors, and a gentle cinnamon spiciness.
0: Hmm.
1: All right, so I mean, go us. We pretty much nailed it. All right. Um, Swish. The finish is supposed to be lingering, sweet almond and spice. So,
0: well, I would agree with all of that. I could taste all of that. The cinnamon's the only thing I couldn't taste. I'll keep my tongue I
1: no I'm getting uh-huh. a lot of cinnamon but it's too early I know to judge yet but this is good
0: it's staying so here.
1: it's not staying here it's coming home with me <laughs> um right now friend Angie I'm gonna say you did pretty good but we'll evaluate again uh when we get to the end of this I'm kind of hoping it's not as good as I think it is because I can't afford <laughs> Glenlivet scotch <laughs>
0: It'll be interesting to compare this to. I uh, like. Uh, I don't. I'm sure we mentioned that this is aged fifteen years. Um, it'll be interesting to compare it to Glenlivet that's not aged or that's only aged a couple years.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, I'm into it. I like it.
0: All right. It's time. For the wonder segment. I thought for a minute I hit the wrong button. (laughs) I was like, oh no.
1: That was the right one. Good job, Tyler.
0: Yeah, it's because we had to change the music.
1: Yep. Welcome to our first, second part of a two parter episode. So last week we went over the Chernobyl disaster. We got all the way up to the um, reactor exploding and we ended there. There is so much more to talk about uh, between what happened in the cleaning, what the USSR did, what the world did, um, that it just was not going to be enough to fit inside one episode. So Whiskey and Wonder decided to do our first two-parter, and it happened exactly at six months. So I didn't even make that connection, but that's kind of symbolic, I guess. That is,
0: Yeah. If, you know, something. Yeah. Something somewhere. Yeah. Something. I'm not good with symbolism. <laughs> if we you can't tell.
1: <laughs> hee-haw, hee-haw. Oh, Damn it. All right. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about the aftermath of Chernobyl. Okay. As Reactor 4 exploded, it released massive amounts of radioisotopic particles into the air. They mixed with the nitrogen and oxygen particles and created a phenomenon. Phenomenon? (laughs) God, this is going to be a long day.
0: (laughs) No comment.
1: They mixed with the nitrogen and oxygen particles and created a phenomenon known as an ionized air glow. A tower of iridescent flame climbed into the air over 150 meters tall. Witnesses described it as a bright purple laser reaching toward the infinite heavens. Alarms began to ring at the paramilitary fire station number two, just two minutes away from the plant by road. Back at control room number four, chaos had erupted. Deputy Chief Engineer Anatoly Dyatlov Remember him? He's the chief engineer that had no idea what he was doing.
0: Oh, he, Wasn't he the one that tried to get out of it?
1: No, that's the director. The director, um, okay. The director Victor Brukhanov.
0: Brukhanov, yes.
1: Brukhanov didn't ever, like he realized this was tool. all going to be bad, but then they told him to suck it up, deal with it. This, this is Russia, you do what we say. Um, Diet Love was the fool who thought it would be a good idea to play by his rules and
0: Keep doing the experiment or the test. Exactly. Yep. we're going to keep
1: going with it. I know better than all the rest of the scientists. So deputy chief engineer Anatoly Dyatlov was frantically trying to understand what was happening. Because he has no idea what the fuck he's doing. All safety valves were open, but no water existed inside the reactor. At Leonid uh, Topanov's desk, the gauges of the control rods were stuck, not even quite halfway in their descent. Releasing them to fall of their own gravity also did not help. In a panic, Dyatlov demanded two trainees to go force the rods into the core by hand. Oh, boy. As soon as they left, Dyatlov realized he'd sent the men to their deaths. If both hydraulic machines and gravity itself couldn't bring the rods down, the strength of two men definitely couldn't. He ran out of the control room to call the trainees back, but they were already gone from sight.
0: Uh, Did you not keep going to... Oh, no, they're, they they yeah, turned they're, the corner. Yep, no, they're gone, too, out of sight. Too far gone. They're, yep. so, sorry, guys. Out of sight,
1: out of mind. Oh, well. Oh,
0: Jesus, these, <laughs> ugh, these it, people.
1: They it to worse. Uh, Anatoly Dyatlov told Alexander Akimov, he is the shift lead, if you remember from last time, someone who actually does seem to kind of know what he's doing. Uh, Alexander Akimov was told to dismiss all non-essential personnel, including Leonid Topanov. So get all these fuckers that don't need to be here out of here. Okay. Upstairs, senior engineer Alexander Yevchenko. Ooh, I knew this was going to be when I messed up. Alexander Yevchenko received distress calls for medical attention down below. He came across a couple of injured employees who waved him off. Get to the pump room, they said there had been people inside. Now, Yuri Trigub, who had been sent from Control Room 4 with orders to manually turn on the emergency high-pressure coolant pumps to get water back into the core. On his way, Trigub crossed paths with Yavchenko... I don't know. (laughs) Why, man? Oh, my God. Trigub crossed paths with Yavchenko and enlisted his help to get the water moving again. The first entrance was completely barricaded by rubble, and the two had to detour down two flights of stairs. As they delved closer to the pump room, water rose to their knees. Through a gap in the wall, they saw the destruction. The water tanks had been torn apart. Everything was in ruins, and standing just 50 meters from the reactor, Trigub and Yovchenko were most likely two of the first people to realize what had happened. Greeted by a scene of apocalyptic proportions, they knew anyone in the pump room had not survived. Through the ruined wall and roof an even more terrifying sight, the tragically beautiful column of radioactive ionized fallout, bloomed like a deadly flower into the sky. Trigub yanked Yevchenko away from the phenomenon. He knew that the nuclear reactor had been unshielded and exposed to the atmosphere. Three fire trucks from Station 2 pulled up beside the reactor, and fireman Anatoly Zakharov, who had witnessed the reactors being built from the inside, knew what the blocks of graphite strewn about glowing red were he said quote, Lads, it's the guts of the reactor. If we survive until morning, we will live forever. So this man had been employed as a construction worker to help build the reactors when the plant was first opening and he had int- int- intimate knowledge with the way the cores looked on the inside. And when the fire trucks pulled up, there was like weird flaming debris all over. There were like glowing red rocks. And a lot of them were like, what the hell is this? Anatoly knew that this was bad.
0: This meant big fuck up.
1: Yeah, this meant this is bad, bad. We're we're not going to survive until morning being here. So as he said this, two firefighters went to do reconnaissance, but lacked any nuclear protective gear or equipment. On top of the lack of nuclear equipment, uh, because of the radiation, their walkie-talkies wouldn't work and all the phone lines were down, so they could not communicate with the rest of the fire team.
0: The walkie-talkies weren't working because of the radio, the radiation.
1: Mm-hmm. Walkie-talkies were down.
0: Why? I don't know. I'm I'm very curious as to why radioactivity Im- impacts uh, what do what a walkie-talkies work from radio well, waves. Radio waves, but would it would it have been the battery in the walkie-talkie it was impacting, or the radio waves, or what?
1: I don't know. That's
0: interesting. I'm gonna have That's to look that up. That's a very that good up.
1: question. Very interesting. I didn't even think about that. Oh, yeah.
0: That's my science mind.
1: (laughs) Um, By the time they returned to the trucks, firefighters from Priyat City arrived. By 2 a.m., 17 fire brigades from all over Kiev were coming to the plant. The chief of the Ministry of Eternal Affairs in Kiev established a crisis center for the disaster and demanded he be updated every 40 minutes. Within two minutes of the explosion, director Viktor Bruknov woke to the phone and felt all hope drain away. He raced to the plant and was there before 2 a.m. Seeing the destruction, he thought, quote, I am going to prison. <laughs> uh... Brukhanov activated the automatic telephone alert system. It would notify all senior personnel that there was an emergency on the highest degree, called a general radiation accident, which meant radioactivity had been released not just within the station, but also onto the grounds and into the air. The mayor of Priyat arrived, as did the resident KGB major and party secretaries. Everyone looked for the director, Brukhanov, to have answers, but he had none. Brukhanov received the first damage reports. There had been an explosion in Unit 4, and staff were working to get coolant pumped back into the core, which read levels of zero. The director feared the unthinkable. The reactor would run dry. Nobody suggested that the reactor was already destroyed. Tree Grub and Yuvchenko rushed to report what they had witnessed, running into three other men, the two trainees Dyatlov sent to move the rods, and Yuvchenko's boss, Valerie <laughs> God, I'm so better sorry.
0: Pervovchenko. Vol-
1: Pervovchenko. I'm so sorry, anyone who is Russian or on that side of the world, I... I'm struggling to say this stuff. I do not mean I do not do not mean to seem to be an asshole. I just I am American and we don't know anything.
0: I do. I kid, I kid. <laughs> I just do shitty Russian accent. Yes.
1: So, luckily the two trainees who were going to basically risk their lives by trying to force the uh the rods back into the core ran into Yovchenko and uh Trigrub who
0: said, that's a stupid idea. And
1: I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) That's really, really fucking stupid. (laughs) Like, let's not, let's not do that because you guys are not going to do anything except die. So Yavchenko explained that their mission was senseless. Valerie argued he'd only seen the reactor from below. They could assess real damage from above. And so his boss was still kind of like trying to, have hope that you know maybe maybe it just looks bad from the bottom if we get up high if we see more of the reactor maybe maybe it's not not that bad so yeah okay yeah uh tregub continued to the control room as yevchenko joined the trio to the reactor hall the door crank that opened the door to the reactor hall had been damaged in the explosion so yevchenko stayed out holding the door open with all of his strength. The three other men went inside for a minute at most. They were still in there too long. All three received lethal doses of radiation. Valerie Perevchenko was a veteran of the nuclear submarine fleet and knew what, it just, what they had just been exposed to. Stumbling back to Yevchenko, Valerie refused to let him take a look. He shoved him away so that the door slammed closed. There is nothing to see here, he said. All over the Chernobyl power station, men dug through rubble to find bodies and clear away debris. Firefighters fought to control the various blazes. Still, Director Viktor Brukhanov refused to acknowledge the situation. He had convinced himself, whether through ignorance or pure desperation is unclear, that the explosion had taken place in a steam separator or a turbine oil tank. The reactor had to be intact, just had to. And as long as men kept pumping water into the core, everything would be fine. Everything was not fine.
0: Denial is a hell of a drug.
1: It is. Civil defense chief of the plant, Seraphim Vorob, oh no, Vorobiev, Seraphim Vorobiev wouldn't be disillusioned. He took measures of the m rim outside the front doors to the plant, and received readings of one hundred and fifty m rim per hour over a hundred times higher than normal. He begged Director Brukhanov to make an announcement to warn everyone within the radius of the plant and Priyat, but he was refused. So, Vorobiev began gathering more data outside. Quote, We need to tell people there's been a radiation accident, that they should take protective measures, close windows, and stay inside he told the director after gathering a significant amount of more readings. Still, Brukhanov refused. At 3 a.m., Brukhanov called his party boss in Moscow to report an explosion and partial collapse of the turbine hall roof. He said they were still in the process of figuring out if there was any radiation leaks. Even though he had just been told Yeah, there's some big radiation leaks happening. 100 times normal.
0: Always, always covering it up. Yep. They know, man, it's the same
1: here. uh,
0: They always know how big it is. And then it's like, well, we don't know. We're waiting. We're waiting.
1: Exactly. After another hour, the chief of radiation safety arrived and claimed his measurements only revealed a slight elevation.
0: Well, that's not so bad then.
1: Yeah. Vorobiev listened in disbelief as the man claimed there was little threat to the population. He knew that approaching the station from any direction would expose people to radiation fields tens of thousands of times higher than what was being reported. After being rebuffed by the director again, Seraphim Vorobiev picked up a phone to call the Ukrainian and Belarusian civil defense authorities. But the operator informed him that he was banned from making long-distance long calls. This man, though, did not give up. He managed to get through to Kiev via his direct line. That Brukhanov wasn't quick enough to switch off. But the defense officer that took his call didn't believe him. Yep. Yep. Just your face, mm. Tyler, is everything I feel about that.
0: Mm. I was gonna tap the microphone to make it sound like my head hit the <laughs> microphone, and then I realized I was on camera. <laughs> it wouldn't
1: it wouldn't work right. It right. wouldn't
0: work right being on camera. <laughs> Oh, my God, these people.
1: Yep. Back in control room four, Dyatlov was still struggling with what happened. The radiation in the control room was dangerously high, and Dyatlov, already dosed in the past, remember he had suffered 100 REMS before, had frequent spells of vomiting. At 5.15 a.m., he left the control room for the last time to report to director Brukhanov. He laid down three data recordings. When asked what had happened, Anatoly Dyatlov threw up his hands and said, I don't know. I don't understand any of it. That is a direct quote. Obviously he said that in Russian, but still that is a direct quote. I don't know. I don't understand any of it.
0: I will toast to incompetent people being uh, in control of things they don't understand because that is also common here.
1: Yeah. Cheers. (laughs) All right. Let me figure out where I stopped reading when I took my drink. Okay. Many more hours passed and many more men would die from the delusion that Reactor 4 was still intact. By 6.35 a.m., 37 fire crews had amassed 186 firemen and 81 fire engines. They managed to extinguish all visible fires on the station grounds, but still, quote, Reactor number four was gone. In its place was a simmering volcano of uranium fuel and graphite, a radioactive blaze that would prove all but impossible to extinguish. Unquote. That's a quote from Midnight in Chernobyl.
0: I'm curious as to why they had graphite.
1: It must be part of building the plant.
0: Um, yeah, I know, but I'm, I'm curious as to what carbon... Would do with radioactive material.
1: I mean, it obviously didn't help nothing.
0: Yeah, I'm wondering if like under normal circumstances, it absorbed any stray radioactive particles. I don't know. I'm I'm just curious because that's all graphite is, is carbon.
1: I have no idea.
0: Yeah, interesting. Uh, another thing I'll have to look up.
1: Yep. Four hours. Misinformation and false calm plagued the disaster. Officials at the Kremlin and elsewhere had been convinced that the reactor was intact. And despite this being a terrible situation, the party would survive along with the Chernobyl power station. At 10 a.m. Sunday morning, a full 32 Hours after the disaster began, officials decided to evacuate Priyat. At 1.10 p.m., a young woman's voice came over every radio in the city. Now I'm going to pull up the exact quote of what was said um, on this broadcast that went through every radio, every phone, everywhere you can think of. Um, Tyler, what do you think so far of the whiskey?
0: I am enjoying it very, very much. Um, I'll tell you one thing that I'm really enjoying about this whiskey. I've been looking forward to it for uh, at least three weeks now, is the fact that I can properly taste it. Um, I will... I love Flaviar. Flaviar is amazing because it mm-hmm. lets us taste so many different ones. But those vials
1: are so tiny. They're
0: so small. It's not even half a finger that yeah, we get. Yeah, it's hard
1: to. And it's taste like them.
0: it's about five sips, honestly. And this, I've already had five sips and still have half of my finger left.
1: Yeah, Flaviar. It's
0: nice. If you're listening, double double your vial size. I don't know yeah. if there's uh there's some kind of limit on how much you can send or anything, but yeah, if you could double the vial size, yeah, that would be awesome. Or
1: if you're sending it to a a company that reviews it with more than one person maybe maybe send a couple vials rather than just you know one you something, know something like that
0: we, we'd appreciate that
1: we would a lot
0: but apart from that we love your service
1: 100 percent. all right so at 110 p.m a young woman's voice came over every radio in the city attention attention dear comrades the City Council of People's Deputies would like to inform you that, due to an accident at the Chernobyl nuclear power plant in the city of Priat, adverse radiation conditions are developing. Necessary measures are being taken by the party and Soviet organizations and the armed forces. However, in order to ensure complete safety for the people, and most importantly the children, Conducting a temporary evacuation of city residents to nearby localities in the Kiev region has become necessary. We ask that you remain calm, be organized, and maintain order during this temporary evacuation. The emergency emergency proclamation was worded carefully. It didn't tell citizens how long they would endure their enforced absence.
0: Did, did anybody else just feel like uh, they just got read an emergency broadcast thing? Because, Megan, you got the voice for that. You should yeah? 100% do that.
1: Oh, yeah. All right. I'll do it. You hear that, I'll, government?
0: I'll only charge 50% fee to let you record here.
1: <laughs> I mean, that, that might not be a bad deal. We'll see. Anyway. Um, so... 51,300 people lived in Priyat, and every single one of them had to be evacuated. It would take 1,000 buses, two river vessels, and three diesel trains to get everyone out safely. Bam. 4,000 workers were ordered to stay behind to run essential services at the city and at the power plant itself. At 5 o'clock, Priyat was evacuated. But so much damage was already done. The radioactive cloud carried thousands of miles over the next couple of days. Denmark, and Finland measured abnormal background radiation. Rain that fell near Stockholm was heavily radioactive. By 1 p.m., Sweden discovered, using meteorological calculations, that the radiation contamination hadn't originated in Sweden at all. It had been from somewhere southeast. By Monday, not one word had been written about Chernobyl in any form of press. The KGB sealed Soviet radiation devices to avoid panic and rumors. Gorbachev met with several other high-ranking USSR representatives in the Kremlin. He knew this would test the newest slogan of the Communist Party. The communists have promised to be an open and transparent government. Secretary Terry Gorbachev knew they had to make a statement ASAP. Procrastinating was not an option. But secrecy and paranoia were an ingrained reality in the Soviet Union. Gorbachev was still a new establishment, and his power was tenuous at best. So, despite his intentions, The party drafted a twenty-three-word statement. The USSR wasn't ready to be open and transparent. By 2 PM, Sweden authorities were convinced they had been contaminated from a major nuclear accident abroad. An hour later, the Swedish foreign ministry had contacted East Germany, Poland and the ussr inquiring if their territory had any such events they also reached out to the international atomic energy agency moscow officials said they weren't aware of any nuclear accident in the ussr
0: no 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 accident <laughs> here we are all good we have just been drinking vodka and having good time shooting <laughs> potatoes at one another with potato gun
1: yep exactly ak47 <laughs> Uh, So Moscow said, oh, no, 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 no nuclear accident in USSR. Not in not in our our land. Anyway, no further comment. We're done here. (laughs) Subtle. Yeah.
0: Real subtle, guys. Yeah. No wonder you didn't (laughs) last.
1: But finally, at 8 p.m. on Monday, April 28th, three days after the accident, Radio Moscow broadcast Gorbachev's office's statement. An accident has taken at the Chernobyl power plant. One of the atomic reactors has been damaged. Measures are being taken to eliminate the consequences of the accident. Aid is being given to those affected. A government commission has been set up. An hour later, when releasing the message in English... On Radio Moscow's World Service, they followed it by listing nuclear accidents in the West. Oh. So, yeah, yes, we had a small accident here. But, you know, in America, this accident happened. And then over here in Canada, this accident happened. And listen, we are not the first. We are not the worst. You know, bad things happen everywhere. Not, not just here. They never suggested when the Chernobyl accident took place. So as far as anyone knew, they released that statement immediately. The next day, the press were silent on updates about the accident across most of the, Sony of it, of the Soviet Union. Papers that did mention it stayed brief and hidden in deeper pages. Uh, one newspaper briefly mentioned it after soccer scores.
0: It's it's like children <laughs> when they're caught doing something wrong.
1: <laughs> we just pretend it didn't happen. Well, it,
0: it's either you pretend it didn't happen <laughs> or you give the bare minimum necessary to save your own
1: ass. That has never worked in the history of anything.
0: Yeah, and everybody and every adult can see through it. Yep. Yeah.
1: At ten thirty a.m. Back in the Kremlin, officials gathered for another meeting. This time, they decided to be honest to foreign governments about what happened, speculating that Ronald Reagan already had photos on his desk from satellites.
0: Old Papa Ron.
1: <laughs> they also agreed to seal up the reactor ASAP. But when asked if they should be honest and open with their own citizen, the answer was, quote, perhaps. So you're close. Perhaps.
0: Very uncommittal.
1: Yeah. That evening, the sixth story covered by the nightly news show was that two people died because of an explosion at the plant. The sixth news story of the night said that there had been an explosion that killed two people. It mentioned that Priyat was evacuated and a section of the reactor building was destroyed. Now, at the same time that this tiny brief little story was mentioned, in the West, Chernobyl became headline news. Blocked from any type of travel to the Iron Curtain, reporters dug everywhere for news leading to some sensational headlines like, quote, 2000 dead and Atom Horror at the Daily Mail in London. The radioactive cloud continued to move north and west. It affected all of Scandinavia, continued to parts of Poland and Germany. It stretched from Czechoslovakia to southeastern France. Effective governments lodged furious complaints with Moscow over its failure to report and brevity of information given. Rumors spread as rumors do when you give no information. Pharmacies in Denmark sold out of potassium iodide tablets. Sweden banned USSR imports. All Over Europe, switchboards jammed with calls asking if the water was safe to drink or if going outside was okay. Soviet attempts to block foreign communication made the rumors worse. By the end of the week, the New York Post went to press with unconfirmed reports from Ukraine that 15,000 people were dead and buried in mass graves. Massive amounts of flight crews piloted over Unit 4, dumping clay and sand to try to stop the fires and radiation spread. Tons and tons of absorbent materials were dropped into the plant. Radiation of dangerous levels crept into Priat. The area one and a half kilometers surrounding the plant became Asabaya zona, or special zone, highly contaminated with fallout a radius of 30 kilometers around Chernobyl would be evacuated. On May 8th, through a bunch of different experiments, the imminent threat of a second catastrophic explosion was averted. The IAEA, which is the International Atomic Energy Agency, sent some scientists to uh, Kiev to figure out what the fuck was going on one of those was a man named Morris Rotson Morris Rotson is an American citizen and a veteran administrator from the US nuclear industry and a member of the IAEA he met with oh my god I'm sorry Russian he met with Evgeny 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 Velikov Velikov Velikov, that's it, Evgeny Velikov. Sorry. Huh. Scientific advisor to Gorbachev that morning to fly over Chernobyl. Rosen asked what range to set his dosimeter, which is radiation meter, to. Velikov said 100. The American questioned 100 miller and was told, no, 100 Rinjen. His dosimeter wasn't designed to go that high.
0: Mm, that's... Oh, boy.
1: Yeah. The Soviet ones could, he was assured, and Velikov took his, this flight daily. Velikov didn't tell Rosin how little he understood the radiation levels around Chernobyl. Rosen confirmed in a conference the following day that he did believe it was stabilizing and there was not another risk of a meltdown. Now let's all this has gone on in like the week following the disaster. Let's let's take a step back in the past. Let's go back to April back to the time the disaster happened. Displaced citizens of Priach were scattered all over the place and Unprepared because they had been told they'd only be gone for three days. They were never allowed to return home. Many of their houses sit untouched exactly as they were the day they left today in 2021. Hospitals were slammed. By the day after the disaster, Sunday, 207 patients, mainly plant workers and firemen, were warded in hospital number six. Immediately, doctors declared 10 of the patients as terminal with no hope of survival. Now, I wrote in my notes here that we could do an entire episode on radiation and radiation illnesses and all of that, type of stuff affected with it. Um, If you're interested in more of the specifics of what happened or you want to learn more, you can either Google radiation or you can pick up the book Midnight in Chernobyl by Adam Higginbotham, which is what I highly recommend. Next, the the book goes in-depth onto the investigation detectives ended up working on why and how it happened again if you want more information on the specifics of the investigation and the detectives involved and what they did check out midnight in Chernobyl by Adam Higginbotham now the trial to put simply in a super shortened version uh, began July 7th of 1987 it ended with parties being sentenced to labor camps for various years. Anatoly Dyatlov, our wonderful chief engineer, was sentenced to 10 years
0: of Gulag. labor camp. What? Gulag.
1: Gulag. <laughs> Anatoly Dyatlov was sentenced to 10 years labor camp and 10 years imprisonment.
0: Yep. You go to Gulag. <laughs> you fuck it up, go to Gulag.
1: Mm, basically, yeah. Bad shit happened. Now.
0: Take, take one in the ass and gulag.
1: <laughs> a huge chunk of the rest of the book, in fact, the final three chapters of the book are Adam Higginbotham's experience by personally visiting True Noble and documenting his experiences. He interviews and talks to Viktor Brukhanov, He goes in depth on um, the elephant foot, which is the elephant foot is what remains of the radiation where they were dumping the clay in the sand. It's a giant mound that kind of looks like an elephant's foot that is so incredibly, incredibly radioactive that it's it's just there's not even words for it. It's very interesting um but he he has done so much research and has so much insight into Chernobyl that I didn't want to include any of his personal experiences in the podcast because this book is clearly his baby Midnight in Chernobyl by Adam Higginbotham includes his notes and his bibliography. His big bibliography lasts for 133
0: pages. (gasps) That's a lot of pages. A lot of sources. Yeah. A lot of... Russians to talk to.
1: Lots, lots, Um, So I didn't want to insult Adam or take away anything from Adam by stealing his words and talking about his personal um, experiences when he dedicated so much of his life to figuring this out. So please, please, if you're interested at all in what's going on, check out Midnight in Chernobyl by Adam Higginbotham. and. Mentioned that you heard about it from us, Whiskey and Wonder.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Not that you get anything for that, but... you're know, No, but hey, it we makes appreciate us look it. good. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, let's talk about deaths. Officially, the USSR declared that only 31 people died directly related to Chernobyl. The UN... Estimates that number is more likely around 50. The World Health Organization, the WHO, uh, jumps up to estimate it's closer to 9,000. A, 501, um, a 501c nonprofit organization called the Union of Concerned Scientists estimate that. 4,000 to 27,000 deaths will occur directly due to Chernobyl. And the 501c organization Greenpeace estimates that 93,000 to 200,000 deaths will be a direct cause to Chernobyl. Mm. These numbers are wild and all over the place because of how secretive the USSR was. How much they tried to hide, how badly they wanted everyone to just turn their heads away and forget it happened. And because of that, as a globe, we will never know the full true impact of Chernobyl.
0: And the sad thing is, we're not talking about, you know, 1760 or 1850. We're talking about.
1: 1980
0: what? 1986. 86. Yep. That's just over 30 years ago. 35?
1: Yeah. Uh, my math
0: is right. Yeah. 35 years ago, folks, this country was burying its head in the sand like a freaking ostrich.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Good job. No yeah. wonder they failed.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't. I'm sorry. I don't have much love for Soviet Russia.
1: I mean, I I understand that completely. Um especially after reading this, I just the disappointment I felt is just debilitating. Why did I want to do Chernobyl though in the first place? So, what made me decide to do all this research into this absolutely insane disaster? Well, it was all because of a firefighter named Vladimir Pravik. Vladimir Pravik was a 23-year-old lieutenant firefighter and one of the first to arrive at the station. He made several trips across the disaster area to help his fellow firemen and the plant workers. He is expected to have been hit with 750 REM in a 24-hour period. Mm. He died May eleventh, 1986, in the hospital, just two weeks after the disaster. He was posthumously awarded Hero of the Soviet Union, the Order of Lenin, and the Ukrainian Star for Courage, also known as the Order for Courage. His eyes were brown when he had been born. And he had been exposed to so much radiation and a perfect chemical storm that they turned blue before Mm. he died.
0: That's interesting.
1: And that is why I wanted to look in Chernobyl, because I saw an interesting fact of that a firefighter's eyes went from brown to blue in the Chernobyl disaster. And that Mm. started all of this
0: wow that's uh that's one way to dive in
1: yeah <laughs> uh so what could have been uh trivia with tyler turned into our first ever two-part episode
0: yeah that, i was about so. to say that sounds just like a trivia with tyler yep. and um <laughs> i guess speaking of Trivia with Tyler. So, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, you may notice I appear to have been a little distracted throughout uh, this episode. <laughs> My phone died about 30 minutes before we started shooting this episode. I plugged it in. It charged to about 66%. I was doing barbecue things, you know, just letting it charge. And right before we started the episode, I turned it back on because I keep my Trivial Tyler stuff on there. And for the entire time we have been doing this, it (laughs) is sat here on the loading screen saying Pixel is starting with a loading. So I have been, as Megan's tale went further on, I have been more desperately searching for answers on how to get my phone out of this... uh, cycle that it's stuck in <laughs> and apparently the only thing i can find is to factory reset the son of a bitch.
1: Oh nice.
0: Yeah. Nice. I'm fucking thrilled. <laughs> but the good news is I was able to find at least one of my several trivia with tylers that i have queued up. So here we go.
1: Let's learn this Tyler nugget.
0: Yes, this is a painful like constipated Tyler nugget. Um <laughs> So one day Samuel L Jackson heard someone speak repeating his Ezekiel 27 or uh, I'm his Ezekiel 2517 speech to him. I don't know what speech that is, what movie that's from, but somebody was saying it to him. Turned out it was Marlon Brando. Uh, Brando then gave him his phone number. When Jackson later called it, it was a Chinese restaurant. But when he asked for Brando, he was transferred to Brando. That's how Marlon Brando screened his phone calls. He sent them through a Chinese restaurant.
1: <laughs> that is
0: That's brilliant.
1: It is. Um Have you not seen Pulp Fiction?
0: I've seen Pulp Fiction exactly once. Thank God! Oh, at
1: least you've seen it.
0: Yeah, I it was. I was in college when I saw it, so almost seven or eight years ago now.
1: So Ezekiel twenty five seventeen is a quote from um. That's what I thought it was from,
0: but I didn't know for certain.
1: So those of you guys who have not seen Pulp, Pulp Fiction, let me grace you with this quote.
0: And and just pretend Samuel L. Jackson is saying it. Not, I cannot do Megan. that voice,
1: so I'm sorry. The path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the inequities of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men. Blessed is he who, in the name of charity and goodwill, shepherds the weak through the valley of darkness Also, kind of fitting for the heroes of Chernobyl that would not sit back and let it happen are the firefighters who kept going in, um, our one friend who did everything he could to get it out. So, fitting Uh, in a way.
0: Yes, it is. Mail time. All right. I'm sorry. I'm still glancing at my phone. I'm very. This is just capping off a a perfect day. Um,
1: <laughs> I hope it fixes itself.
0: Yeah, I'm going to let it ride on the charger all night and see. Yeah. But from what I'm finding online, it that doesn't help. Anyway, uh, mail time. And we got exactly one message this week from Megan's lovely mother. Leona. Mama
1: Leona.
0: Um, her message says Hello, Megan and Tyler. Enjoying your podcast, but wanted to ask for more fun wonder segments. I love learning, but like happier stories. I still think the St. Louis Olympics was my favorite. Uh, also, I'm still waiting on my sticker. <laughs> Listen, f- I have an excuse. Her, her fault. Her fault. She's in charge of that department, uh, at least for her parents. <laughs> I have an excuse. I uh, I want to order my glasses. I need your assistance on how to accomplish this. I'm already donating. Not sure how to add in my purchase amount. Tyler tried to help me via email, but you know me. Megan, great job on part one of Chernobyl. Uh, I'm very curious to hear more. I always thought everyone had died in that explosion. Uh, Also, didn't we have an uh, issue in Pennsylvania around that time? Yes, we did. It was the Three Mile Island accident that was... Uh, actually before Chernobyl, that was on March 28th,
1: 1979. That 100% was one of the things the USSR mentioned, um, in their announcement when they were talking about all the things the West also had
0: done. Exactly. So yes, we did have a, uh, potential issue about the same time. Um, and also, uh, thanks as always, Mama Leona. P.S. A little less of the F word as you're thinking of ums and all those filler <laughs> words. <laughs> so, we, um, all right. I would like to take this email in in bits. Chunks. All if, right. I, I didn't reply to this. Uh, I don't know if Megan, I don't know if you replied to it.
1: I did not. I've been so stressed and busy this okay. week. Um, so, so, yeah. Let's, I'll explain why um, in and the different chunks. So what are we addressing first?
0: Um so the more fun wonder segments. Uh I I think Megan and I actually went back through upon rereading this before the show and looked at all the episodes we've done. And we feel like there's some that have been fun, some that have been kind of sad, but the majority kind of fall in the mm, neither category. Um we will try to encompass some more fun segments for sure uh but at the end of the day we are going to cover a lot of historical stuff and for me personally i'm not i'm i'm interested by a lot of history that's for lack of a better term sad i guess um so you know we will be doing our interest um so we'll we'll definitely keep in some fun uh wonder segments though
1: we will and uh, mom, I know you're a huge Potter head and I think it would be best described and best explained as yes, we are whiskey and wonder, but let's take in this quote from Ollivander in um, the philosopher's stone. I think we must expect great things from you, Mr. Potter. After all, He who must not be named did great things. Terrible, yes, but great. Ollivander said that in chapter five when Harry was getting his wand, that is the twin to Lord Voldemort's. And it made me think, all the stories we look up and we research are wonderful, but wonderful doesn't necessarily mean good. There's something that makes us wonder. There's something that has us curious. So we're going to keep our wonder segments wonderful. And sometimes that'll be stuff that makes us laugh. And sometimes that'll be stuff that makes me cry. Tyler, sit there stoically. Um,
0: <laughs> yep.
1: Um.
0: Par for the course.
1: Yep. But that's just part of uh what we decided we want this podcast to be is something that we each look up a topic every week and find something that just is wonderful to us. And we want to go from there
0: on, on that note on that stoic note, I have, I have a funny little side note. A friend texted me, got a very sweet gift from a family member. Um, and, uh, said that they had become, they had lost it and started bawling their eyes out basically and texted me this and i had no idea what to say and so the possibilities went through my mind of well i'm sorry no that doesn't fit they're there no that's probably not good either uh i think i ended up sending i'm sure that was really emotional <laughs> still didn't still not the right thing i didn't know what to say i just knew i needed to say something oh. i don't know how to react in situations like that it's so awkward for me <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, Tyler.
0: <laughs> I'm just uh I have no emotions, guys. I'm a robot. Deal with it. Um <laughs> All right. So the next one uh the email or I'm sorry, by purchasing the glasses for the email. So I'm putting Megan in charge of that.
1: Yes. Um Mom, I will call you and explain to you what to do. I will also ship you your glasses and your sticker. The reason why that was not done this week, um is for two reasons. One, uh any of my free time where I was not working my regular job was spent either one researching this podcast or two studying for an interview that went really well at my current job. So Congrats, uh, Megan. Thank Fingers you. Fingers
0: crossed, hope you get get your uh promotion.
1: Thank you. Um so that is very exciting um hopefully by well no this won't hopefully by the time you listen to this mom I'll have an answer whether or not I got that promotion or not um I'm supposed to know at some point either monday or tuesday so everyone listening send me luck um and you will definitely see on instagram facebook and personal text messages if you're good friends with me about whether I get it or not so that's been absorbing my anxieties and everything
0: for the past time.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, again, good luck. I hope you get it.
1: Thank you. Me too.
0: <laughs> um and I think the final thing we that was in here in this message was the F word. One of my favorite words. F is for favorite. <laughs> um Uh yeah, I think I just said it. It's one of my favorite words. I'm not changing. I (laughs) um well I, i i just don't think there's a point in having words that you can't say that seems not illogical to me um i will try to limit but i'm still gonna say it sorry
1: i mean i agree with you um God, what is his name? There is a comedian, mom, from back when you were around our age that is a hysterical comedian. Talks um, about
0: the swear words? Talks George about George Carlin.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I
0: just thank I, you. I just watched that bit on uh <laughs> Amazon. Yeah. Yeah, George Carlin's bit about swear words is hilarious. Yes.
1: Um so George Carlin look up his skit that he does about fuck. Um and that's kind of I believe both me and Tyler's take on the word. Um, You've known me, mom, my entire life. And I think I started saying fuck in front of you by like seventh grade. I had been saying it before then, probably my entire life.
0: That's impressive. I still try not to say it in front of my parents.
1: Oh, no, I don't fucking care.
0: (laughs) And...
1: Uh, uh, I live far away. They can't get me. <laughs> I live
0: twenty minutes down the road. So fuck. Um, with that um, being said, but um, yeah,
1: that's part of our personality. That's who we are. We're yeah. gonna say fuck because that's who we fucking are.
0: Also, I would <laughs> like to I would like to point out one more thing. Is there another word in the English language that you could say a sentence of pretty much that entire sentence? Fuck those fucking fuckers or fuck fucking fuckers anyway i'm done i'm not gonna be obnoxious <laughs> anymore
1: uh i love you mom thank you as always yes, for your emails we absolutely um, adore you we do uh if it wasn't for you and my father we wouldn't get any emails so. and Shelby,
0: French friend shelby. and
1: friend shelby that's and right
0: we have we have sporadic emails and reddit messages that's true so Uh, so, thank you to everybody that reaches out
1: definitely um please if you're listening to this please 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 email us let us know we want to have more mail time
0: yes Um, also like and subscribe and all that leave us reviews and whatnot that's how we climb rating uh like climb the charts on i i not uh, itunes um apple Apple Podcasts Podcasts and all the other podcasts so Give Please, us five stars if five you feel stars, like it. Five uh, stars. Or give write us three a, stars or tell us we fucking suck.
1: I mean, give us five stars, not three. <laughs> um, but rate, rate us whatever you think we deserve. Um, and definitely write a review, review. Give us a couple of comments of what you think about me and Tyler. We're still new to this. This is still a two-man job.
0: Um, yeah, we've only been doing it six months now.
1: Yeah, which is not a long time.
0: Oh, that was sarcasm in my book.
1: Oh, well, no, it's not. That's not a long... <laughs> 26 episodes is not not, it's it's
0: really not that long yeah
1: 26 episodes is is not a long time for a podcast so most podcasts seem to struggle and be weird for like their first 50 so we still have a lot of growing to do a lot of maturing um
0: yeah and i I, want
1: your criticism we want to know what we can do to make this show better
0: yep yep so please write us rate us review us let us know for sure final thoughts now before we get too deep into our final thoughts uh, I am going to give a slight spoiler for next week's episode just because I want to um, I, I feel like I owe an explanation I guess on this but we had a someone donate a while back for the uh if you recall if you listen to our
1: Palisade Nevada episode three. It was,
0: yes, it was Palisade Nevada episode three, but also if you listen to the um year in special, the mm, yep. Campfire Whiskey uh not campfire, I'm sorry, it was the
1: American High, Prairie
0: yep.
1: uh, High West from the whiskey.
0: High West Distillery um was featured in both of those episodes. It actually ended up taking our favorite whiskey of 2020. Um, and we got a donation that basically was, Hey, this is, uh, Oh, I'm sorry. I skipped ahead. They make a more expensive whiskey, um, called cowboy. Campfire. I'm sorry. (laughs) Campfire cowboy. It's the picture of it is a cowboy sitting by a campfire. So I was close.
1: You were close. I could
0: see it in my head. Anyway, um, it's Campfire. And uh, we got a donation basically saying, here, go get that whiskey. We are eager for you to try it. And we've had so many donations and Flaviar and just so many things that have come up. We have not had the chance. But spoiler alert, that is coming up next week. Yes. We will be doing we will do a- Campfire.
1: Yes. Yeah, so thank you for your donation.
0: Yes. I'm pretty um- sure that was Papa Manning. I'm pretty sure Papa Manning donated for that, or was that your dad? It was. It was not dad. my dad. No, I think it was Papa Manning. Pretty sure.
1: Well, either way, whoever donated.
0: If if it wasn't Papa Manning, I'm so sorry. If it was Papa Manning, we appreciate it. I mean, we appreciate it <laughs> if it wasn't Papa Manning too, but I'm sorry for forgetting exactly who donated it.
1: Uh, but we will take that donation and go get that whiskey, and that will be what we do next week.
0: Yes, we so. we will be doing that when we will finally get around to it. Now, on to the glenlivet Glenn 15 year aged
1: well 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 friend angie you did it he <laughs> found me a scotch that i liked
0: you done did it same here
1: um you said you knew me you said you'd understand after knowing me for 28 years i guess you got that right you figured it out um so Absolutely delicious, phenomenal. The more I've drank it, even though I was the pre- presenter, the more I've spoken um, and the more I've just sat here and let the flavor ride on my tongue, the more and more and more I've liked it. So, hashtag impressed.
0: I sipped on it throughout Megan's um uh lesson today. I don't want to call it a lesson. That sounds like I'm in school, but
1: Megan's Wonder.
0: Megan's Wonder segment today. And um, I guess the best way to say it is it didn't change from beginning to end. This is the first one where I haven't changed at all. I still tasted the same things. It didn't burn more or less. It didn't... Uh, it it's the first one they normally they're either I, I like it a lot at the beginning and dislike it at the end or it's kind of meh at the beginning and I like it a lot at the end this one I liked it both times I liked it a lot at the beginning I liked it all the way through it's very 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 smooth and
1: it's super smooth
0: it's I'm gonna let Megan have this one but I want to fight for it but I'm letting her have it because of who sent it to us uh, I, don't, I don't know if did you mention who sent it to us? Did you just called her friend, Angie. I called her friend, Angie. Okay, well, just for everybody's clarification, it was Megan's sister that sent it, so I'm going to let her have the bottle, even though I don't want to.
1: Thank you, Tyler. And you're welcome. And thank you, friend Angie slash sissy.
0: Thank you, Angie. Um, overall, though, it's, it, it's delicious. It's very good. I could have easily... Easily poured some more, but I decided not to just because it's getting late. So, all right. I'm going to put my number officially at a solid, solid eight. Okay. Which may be the highest I've ever rated anything.
1: I can't remember. I can't remember if that's the highest or not. Um. I have definitely adored every second that I've drank this. Um, It's definitely very smooth. It's nice and fruity. There's a little bit of almond. There's that creamy, buttery taste. Um, I still never got cinnamon. Oh, well, I was about to say, and it's very spicy on a cinnamon scale to me. Like, The burn I get from this whiskey isn't like a painful throat burn. It doesn't feel like heartburn. It's nice, kind of tingly cinnamon spice. And I have really, really, really enjoyed this. Um, I Life's too short to be um, wishy-washy or I can't think the word I'm trying to say. Life's too short to not give 10s. So, God damn it, this is a 10.
0: Megan's getting loosey-goosey with her ratings, guys.
1: I am not. <laughs> <laughs> what
0: was that? I don't know. <laughs> I just found our sound. Well, <laughs> I am
1: not getting loosey-goosey. I am not. I am, just... not. <laughs> I am
0: I don't know. Giving credit last, where
1: credit is due.
0: The last couple you've rated very high. I'm going to have to go back Negative and Ghost
1: Rider. I have not.
0: Oh, Bolt. let's look real quick.
1: Yeah. Look, I've not rated them that high. I mean, I rate what's deserved.
0: I'm pretty sure you rated them like eight plus. No way. Or on episode 26. Oh, no. The last one you gave it a three.
1: Nah-uh. Um.
0: 25, you gave an eight. 24, we're on uh, 24, you gave a six. Okay. So, yeah. You gave one eight and one three in there. Yeah. I, I was off by a week. I knew you liked the Japanese whiskey a lot.
1: Well, this is the first scotch I've ever liked, and I like it a little. Oh,
0: you have given another 10, though, already. I-
1: was that for Rabbit Hole or no. for uh, Templeton Rye?
0: Uh, I'm sorry. You've given both of those a 10.
1: Yeah. And those <laughs> Templeton Rye. I, I
0: forgot about Rabbit Hole. Yep. And Templeton given, Rye,
1: Rabbit Hole, and Glenlivet have been my 10s. And
0: you gave uh, Double Oaked Woodford Reserve Double Oak a nine. Yep. Which was higher than I rated it. And I, I think I like it more than you do.
1: <laughs> I am.
0: Loosey goosey.
1: More emotional than you.
0: oh. Well. Uh, I am yeah, I am definitely more conservative with my ratings. I feel like there's always gonna be something better out there. So I give it I, I And that's mine, why I said
1: life's too short.
0: Mine probably oh no, life is long enough.
1: Oh no. Life's too um, short to not give tens where tens are good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um anyway, <laughs> we'll agree to disagree there. Um all right. So Megan gave it a ten. I'm gonna give it a solid eight on that. I debated with an eight and a half there for a little while. But um, I guess that'll about wrap us up today.
1: Yeah. Uh, thank you guys for sticking around, listening. Rate us, review us, give us five stars, send us an email. Most importantly, though, don't drink and drive. Cheers.